Tim and Sid. So funny, you might pee a little. Luckily, you can listen on the can. Subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Going in for the shot, 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 It's game day. for the Leafs and Golden Knights. John Tavares with a hat trick! This is the Leafs Morning Skate. Mitch Marner snaps it home! On Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, welcome to Leafs Morning Skate on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I don't know, we, we must, are, are we killing a penalty here? We're missing, uh, we're missing, was Stuart whistled for a Penalty? I don't know. Was it a, a, a roughing penalty? We lost someone, do we? No, he'll he'll be here. I'm told that he's he's parking, he's parking his car, and then of course he has to get through security here. My producer Derek Brandeo says uh, he's on Wilner time. That's not entirely true. Uh, it is Lee's morning skate. Jeff Blair and Sean Mathias, and uh, in a few minutes, we believe Anthony Stewart will join us. We know he's in the building. Apparently, there's a visual sighting of him. The uh, Leafs. We'll get on the ice tonight, back on the ice tonight in Vegas against the Golden Knights, 10 p.m. on Sportsnet. The Leafs coming off their win over Colorado, um, a win earned largely through the strength of their power play. They had as many goals in that game, many goals in one period, as a matter of fact, as they had uh, in their previous 17 games. Uh, Sean, that's a uh, oh, area. There he is. Here? He's shaking his head and... It's okay, relax. We're okay. Imagine just, if you were late for a team meeting. How that just, would go right now? What would the fine be? Oh. Maybe two hundred bucks. Two hundred be like minimum. at least five hundred. You know what really grinds my gears? Here Toronto traffic. <laughs> See, and that is such a Mike Wilner thing to say, isn't it? It's like Wilner's born and raised here, and he always says, "Dude, traffic on the Gardener was bad." Well, yeah, of course, traffic on the Gardener is bad. Anyhow, you're here. Take a deep breath. What I miss. Nothing, nothing, nothing of significance. You're all, you're all set? I'm good to go. You're good, good to, to go. go. All right. We started talking about the power play against Colorado. Sean, I'll ask you, um, what was the biggest difference you saw in the power play? They gave it to JT down low. Been saying, been stressing that for a while now. Like, why don't they use them? It's always Marner to Matthews or Marner to O'Reilly. So they finally uh, let JT pop out and make some plays and... Look what happens. I mean, he's carried a power play for years, his whole life. In junior, he was the number one guy. In uh, Long Island, he was the number one guy. So I like seeing the puck on his stick more and uh, watching him make plays. Okay, explain, you know, and, and Anthony, I'll, I'll bring you in in a minute here too. But when you, okay, you talk about a number one guy in the power play. You're talking about a guy who, the guy, the guy who basically runs it, right? Yeah, the guy who has plays the puck go through, through, yeah. Right. Like okay. Marner is for the Leafs this year, I would say. All right. plays start with him. But you like the idea of having Tavares getting more involved. As an option, yeah, down low. I mean, it's a little bit more of an old-school power play system, I think, but when nothing's going well like it has for the before last game, I mean, why not try something else? And, I mean, he's got some of the silkiest mitts out there, so why not give him the puck? He's going to make those plays, and look at the two plays he made on uh, the last game. Yeah, they, they adapted. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, as a player, the toughest play to make is that crossing pass, how they usually are doing with Marner across to Matthews, you know, on a strong side for that quick release. It's too tough. Uh, this time of year, guys are in the lanes, getting sticks in lanes now, paying attention to those details. Mm -hmm. So they had to they had to adapt. So most power plays, they run it uh, from up top down low for a little bump play, and that's what they're doing right now. So um, Matthews is still getting his looks. It's great seeing Kadri now get some looks and uh, score some power play goals. So um, I think the panic mode is officially over now. The power play's back. But 
you know, I just sort of get upset and frustrated that, you know, the power play goes dark for a couple of weeks and it's, it's the end of the world. So, you know, the, the season goes ups and downs, there's ebbs and flows and the power play is going to finish around 25, 27% where they were slotted to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I think the, you know, the thing with maybe expectations were too much for the power play at the start of the year, because we saw the way, they, I mean, they came out like a house on fire and you know, people would, people, Scotiabank Arena, there'd be a buzz when the Leafs went on the power play. You know, people expected stuff to happen. And I, and, and I think I know you guys have made this point and other people made the point as well. Um, when you do that early in the year, you get everybody's attention. And there's what? There's like 13 people in every coaching staff right now. I'm exaggerating a bit. But you get everybody's attention. People start looking at video. And they start saying, what are these guys doing? And there's only so much you can do in the power play. Yeah, there's only so much you need to stop this power play, though, because, you know, you got Kadri in the slot now. uh, You got JT on the line. You got Matthews. And they still really haven't even utilized the big shot from Riley. So he has a pretty hard shot. But what I'm really impressed is, too, you know, that second unit uh, got Mm -hmm. the goal with Kapanen scoring. And uh, it all started with that net front presence with uh, Marlowe in front. So now, you know, to go deep into the playoffs, you have to have both units stepping up. And it's good to see that that second unit, uh, you know, scored that big goal with, uh, with Kapanen in the third period. Second period, sorry. This team, though, it was they kind of flipped the script, uh, Sean. Five and five, they've been really good this year. Power play, not so much against Colorado. Five and five, they're outshot pretty handily. Uh, the power play was was really good. It, I'm not going to ask you if there's any concerns there at, our, at all. But what did you see five on five that that was so different from what we've seen in other games? I feel like they play to their opponent a lot when they're playing these top teams. Maybe it's a young. Thing I don't know what it is. A young player's uh, mindset going into it. You're playing against your favorite player growing up, watching Crosby or Ovechkin play, and they seem to get up for those games. And when they're playing these weaker teams, they kind of play to that level. So five on five, I thought they're kind of playing a little bit like Colorado, where they're they just try and play that flow game, right? They're they're floating around. They don't want to get dirty. Uh, the thing against Colorado, once they did have success, they were putting pucks in and, and winning those foot races and getting back to that hard grinding game, which Babcock loves. I chalk it up to the altitude. It's 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 tough. It it's tough going into Colorado. And uh, uh, a quick story: we uh, we were there for training camp one year, and the first day we were playing basketball. In training, you were in training, training camp, camp in uh, Vail, Colorado, Vail. and uh, we we're playing basketball. And you know, hockey players aren't the most athletic guys. And I remember Joseph Stumple <laughs> getting the ball, and he was dribbling, and he didn't stop. He ran right past the hoop, and he literally ran into a pole, and. <laughs> Cut his head wide open, so he looked like a UNICEF kid with the with the bandage because <laughs> the altitude literally made him like lose consciousness as he was running. Oh, come so on, I, that is a true story. Yeah. So it's it's no joke. The altitude's no joke. The first period, your legs, you know, you feel like you're doing the VO2 test. You, you feel like your lungs are burning, your legs are burning. You're feeling like I'm out of shape. It's so terrible. Florida's, uh, you know, uh, you know, method behind that was, hey, let's go do that altitude training. It'll kickstart the year and have a, make us have a good start. But that is a true story. Joseph Stumple kind of yeah, said open. I was there for camp with yeah. when we go to Vail. I wasn't yeah. there for that one, yeah. but, man, it sucked. Like, <laughs> you're doing fitness testing with the altitude and stuff, it kills you. Is that where you would do the VO2 test in Vail? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Every day a bag skate. That was fun. So but, chalk it up to the uh, the altitude. The yeah, and, and, and both, you know, and, and Mike Babcock made that point. Um, when he was asked about the start of the game, it, it was noticeable. And I thought especially that it was especially noticeable with the defense pairings. I thought the defense was really, their breakouts were really slow 
about six minutes into the game, you started you started seeing those 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 sort of I guess those altitude legs, those altitude legs kick in. And guys, just really nothing. It, you know, I, I remember talking to Aaron Sanchez about his first experience of of pitching in Colorado, and he said, you know, Troy Tulowitzki told him, you know, go to one of the oxygen chambers, like whatever. I don't know if it's the hyperbaric chamber, but you do that before the game. There, there's a way of getting ready to do. It. But his point was also. The Jays were there for three days, right? So they had a chance to get acclimated. You know, the first day was rough. Second day is a little more comfortable. It's different for you guys, though. You fly in, boom, you get in the hotel, you play, boom, you're out of there again. Like, that's, that's, for hockey players, that's got to be just, like, like just a shock to the system, especially now at this point of the year. I think they say it takes about two days to get used to it, and the second day is actually worse. So we would fly in, Mm -hmm. have dinner, sleep, and then you play the next day, and then you're out of there. So... For Colorado, I'm sure they get used to it quite a bit. But as soon as you leave, as soon as you go on a road trip or even a one- or two-day road trip, I mean, you're back to square one. I I was there after a deadline for only 20 games, and it's pretty tough. Like, you go to sea level, and you're in Vancouver, and you feel great. But then you mm-hmm. go back to Colorado, and it's a struggle at first. Then you get used to it. Then you go back to sea level, and you feel amazing. So it does have some pros and definitely has its cons. But it's 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 tricky. It's tough. you got to drink a lot of water. And we would have oxygen oxygen tanks on the uh, bench with us mm-hmm. i went there as a fan one time to watch my brother play mm-hmm. and uh how did was, chris like colorado he loved it he loved it he's got mountains tattooed on his yeah. arm he'd, he'd go back in a second he loved it um but um i remember having a beer one beer and i was like did i just get roofied <laughs> literally one beer the altitude so it even affects you know you know the alcohol levels in your system where one beer you're sort of feeling it so you had to take it easy for the rest of the night so i had one beer during the game and i was ready to you know turn in after the game watching my brother play did uh is there is there a a uh, a carryover effect when you leave colorado and you go on because i know sometimes you do hear nba the nba players will talk about it's not just the the game in denver where you feel it boy it can be that's the game two nights later when you feel it, or God forbid you've got a, you know, back to back or a quick turnaround after Denver. Do you expect any impact tonight on the lease when they, when they, when they take on Vegas? Well, it's a different type of uh, altitude now going into Vegas. Now they got to worry about the the nightlife. So I'm not sure how curfew was, uh, what, where they were staying, but well, um, the, not there anymore. Yeah, so they're staying. Yeah. In Vegas. So the yeah. technology is, you know, it's so advanced now, you know, when you're on the plane, you have certain compression shorts, compression pants, compression socks, you know, uh, whatever you're lacking in minerals, you know, they're, they're, they're mm. compensating that on the plane with, uh, with vitamins and stuff like that. So the science behind it now makes it a lot easier to transition, you know, going into the game and going after the game, you know, you know for the next game. So um, I'm more worried about the, the nightlife aspect going into tonight, but I'm sure they had uh, their eight hours rest and they're ready to go today. Yeah. I hope. I had a beer once, like the first team <laughs> party in uh, Colorado. Yeah. That was the same thing. They were like, oh, watch your beer, Sean. You're going to get into one if you keep drinking like that. Yeah. I was like, no chance. It catches up to you. It sneaks up on you real quick. See, all these things you learn in a Leafs morning skate. Yeah. Go to but Colorado. Vegas, always eight hours of sleep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Eight hours. Well, yeah, the difference, though, this time is I think they did stay in the strip. Lou had them, what, 20 miles outside? But, I mean, what? Yeah. My, my argument with that was always, look, these guys are professional athletes making a lot of money. Where are you going to, if you want to go to the strip, call Uber. You can afford it. Just make sure the Uber driver doesn't have the camera on when you're, when you're, when you're driving. We're going back to that, the Ottawa, the Ottawa just gate. Make, just make sure the Uber <laughs> driver doesn't have a camera on. Or learn sign language. 
or learn sign language yeah. or learn, or better yet text text each <laughs> other when you're in the car that's probably the easiest way to do it it's least morning skate with um sean matthias uh i almost said andre devoe is here in i was gonna call me ziggy <laughs> stewart anthony stewart and jeff blair so so mike babcock uh not seeming to be completely satisfied with anything at any time has mixed throwing his defense throwing his defense pairings into the mixer uh, we've now got Hainsey and Riley back together. Riley's on the left side. Uh, it's Gardner and Dermot. And, um, and and Muzzin is now with Zaitsev, which I quite frankly don't get. But um, just your thoughts on on why he would change combinations right now when you've, you know, I think you played pretty well. And the game yeah. you lost was a game where you yeah. basically think, the other team's goalie. Yeah, I think they have a pretty good cushion on the playoff spot right now. And, you know, they're, they're comfortable where they are in the standings. So I think they're going to take possibly two to five games just to sort of see what works and see what doesn't work, you know, before this final playoff push. So mm-hmm. it's at that gap of the season where you can now, you know, tinker some things, t- tinker, you know, see how guys are doing on the left side, on the right side, seeing how guys are doing with power play and penalty, penalty kill opportunities. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think it's just more of an experimental phase. And uh, just like the uh, the Marner and um, Matthews experiment, I don't see it lasting too long. Mm. You think we'll be back to Muzzin and Riley? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I hope so. Yeah, Muzzin's doing well, and that's the thing. Good. Muzzin, it's you know when you don't notice him, sometimes that's when he's at his best, where he's just keeping it simple, protecting the puck, uh, making that good first pass, clearing out the front of the net. You're not going to see him on the stat sheet, uh, you know, very so often, uh, you know, putting up big points. But he's been solid, and I think he's deserved an opportunity to play on, you know, top-line minutes. Yeah, you know, Sean, what I don't get about this, though, is we spend all our time talking about how Muzzin and, and, and I don't know, Muzzin had a bad, they, they had a, Muzzin had a bad game in particular against the Rangers. But we spent all our time talking about how Muzzin and Riley was great. You had the shot from the point, and boy, Travis Dermott really seems to have blossomed playing alongside Ron Hainsey. And... Now it's different. That's something, you know, we had a caller, I think, yesterday or somebody on the show say, you know, maybe Mike thinks he's coaching Team Canada. <laughs> you know, and he's just, well, I'll take, you know, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic and move him up here and I'll have Jonathan Taves move up here and we'll do this and we'll do that. And you're not, those aren't the guys you're coaching right now. Well, with Morgan Riley, you want to put a guy that can take the hit and go in the corners and play physical and mm. be a big body so he can pick up the puck and skate with it, right? I think Hazy's good for that. He, he, he'll he go in the corners. He'll take the hit. He doesn't want the puck on his stick. He wants Riley making the plays. But Muzzin, he gives you a lot more options. He's got that hard shot. He's physical like Hazy, but more physical, I think. And he can also make that good pass out of the zone. I personally would like to see the two of them together because I think it gives Riley a lot more options to play his game as well because you have, you have Muzzin going up the ice looking for that stretch pass. Mm-hmm. And then you have Riley picking up speed, coming low. You watch the first home game with the Leafs. I mean, Muzzin just throws it back and Riley's away to the races yeah. and you have a steady defenseman holding holding it back down there. Any news on Ozhiganov? Nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet. Okay. Nothing yet. Uh, uh, yeah, I, look, I, 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 you know, Sean and I talked a little bit about this off air and I'll, I'll ask you, uh, Anthony. Um, you know, your point was you've got a playoff cushion right now. Maybe you take two to five games to kind of see how things look before you start the stretch. Of course, that takes you right up to the trade deadline, too. And I'm wondering, did you guys notice when you played, as the trade deadline approached, were coaches more likely to experiment? Um, did, did, you know, did you notice that at all? Sort of, let's see how this looks so that we have a good read on it. We've got video on it when we sit down and talk about possibly trading 
player X for player Y. Yeah, maybe they're showcasing some guys, right? And they're going to see how they do in certain situations. But I, I, t- I chalk it up more so just to let's see how different things work. Um, I think Babcock has been pretty good listening to the fans throughout the season with getting that new defenseman and uh, putting certain lineups together. So I think he's just now maybe going against the grain a bit and saying, hey, well, I'm going to try things my way, see how it works. Especially on the road. Just to sort of throw a curveball into it, right? So uh, maybe they're you know not putting a lot of emphasis on this game. It's a... You know, they're on the road. I'm not sure. Maybe the, the dads are on the trip this time. I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, maybe they're just, you know, I chalk it up to they're experimenting. See well, you don't it's... have four or five games. and You can't just, like, here. here's a couple of games. We're going to try some things this time of the season. Right. Yeah, like, it's the playoff push. Every team's pushing. You know how it is this time of year. It's so close by the time put playoff races. You're either in the playoffs or you're not by a point or two. Yeah. So to give it like four or five games, I mean, you can't this time of year. Well, we never know. Maybe with the, uh, you know, the stat geeks, they're maybe trying to position themselves, you know, a certain uh, matchup for the first round. You never know. But the last 15, 20 games, that's where you got that final push. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the statisticians know they can afford to lose, you know, two, three points in this next little bit and still be fine. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, There's also, there seems to be very quietly more and more talk about um, William Nylander getting back together with Austin Matthews. I mean, Babcock was asked, Mike was asked the question about it. I think, I think it was yesterday and he kind of, he, you know, he basically said it was kind of, we'll see. Uh, but he also essentially said that, look, if William Nylander keeps doing what he's doing lately, he is essentially what he said. He's, he's probably going to force my hand. He's pr- he's probably going to force, force us to put him, put him back up there again. Is there a big difference between Kapanen and Matthews and Nylander and Matthews? Yes. There is. Okay. 100%. Okay. Tell me. Tell me why. Because Kapanen, he's a shooter. He plays hard. Like, I like his game. He's playing really well. He's got the hot hand right now. He's going down. He's scoring. But he's not a top six on a good team. I mean, middle of the pack, not a playoff team. I'm sure he's a second-line guy. But playing with Matthews, you want a player that's going to give him the puck. He's mm-hmm. the scorer on the line. I find too many times with Kapanen – He's one and done. He skates. It looks great. It looks great to the fan. He's skating full speed down the ice. He's driving hard to net. Puts in the goalie's chest. Whistle. Where mm-hmm. Nylander, he delays. He comes back. He's looking for that pass. You looked at it the last two years. There's lots of goals where Matthews is just finding the open ice. Nylander's stalling, bringing guys to him. And then he throws that saucer pass. We're like, how did he even see that? With Kapanen, great player. But he doesn't make those plays. He's more of a scorer. So with right. the third line, I think he's a good fit. But you need the guy who's going to give Matthews. You're paying him how much money now? A you lot. Want, exactly. You want that. If you're in the playoffs in overtime, who do you want with the puck on their stick? Matthews or Kapanen? Yeah. That's how I see it. And you want someone looking for Matthews instead of the other way around. But maybe they're showcasing Kapanen. You never oh, know. God. But maybe we could see this as Matthews' game evolving where they want him to be more complete player moving the puck, you know, getting more assists. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of been Cy Young with with his numbers lately, you know, 40 and 20 and stuff like that. So um, right now, it's it's not broken, as they, as Babcock kept saying, don't fix You know, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. Um, I'm not sure that's the quote exactly, but he's doing well. He's doing well. He's filling in. Matthew seems happy, but long-term, you can't have $7 million sitting on the third line. You know, he has to be a guy that's putting up major numbers. So you have to slot him in on those top two lines, mm-hmm. or you got to trade him in my opinion. Well, and Sean's point, Sean's point is, is really well made too, though, in, in that um, when you watch them play, it, it's almost as if Kapanen's a finisher, right? Kapanen has, if Kapanen has the puck on his, uh, on his stick, he's going to shoot at the goalie, yep. like 100% of the time. Nylander has it, there's a chance that there's going to be a pass back. 
and you know it's working right now. And you know, Kappen and Speed clearly with Matthews' vision and Kappen and Speed is a pretty good combination. But yeah, I, you you really do get the sense from hearing Mike Babcock that they are. He's getting close to the point where he's going to throw Nylander and 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 Matthews back together. I mean, I thought Nylander, I thought Nylander has has really played well, like the last six games. But I remember mentioning well. this before. It's going to take. I said 20, 15, 20, but yeah. for this sake, I'll say 20, 25 games before he hits his stride, right? So but I even think Kyle Dubas said when, when they brought him back, he said, look, it's going to take yeah. it's going to take a while. Yeah. It, and by a while, I'm not talking two or three games. So where's the detractors now? They're, they're saying, oh, we knew this, we knew this, but they wanted, you know, they wanted, <laughs> you know, blood from a stone out of him, but it mm. takes time. It's just like the altitude, you know, coming without a training camp. It's going to take time to get your timing back to get the passes right, to, you know, even get your energy and enough to get into uh, game shape to be prepared to play in the NHL. So he's starting to hit his stride now, which is really good because playoffs is coming up soon. And for this team to go and be a Stanley Cup contender, you need Nylander having those games, a six-game stretch every single night, this, mm. you know, night in, night out. Sean, I, I also, uh, I thought watching him play, watching Nylander play against Colorado, and I don't know if, it just something that just caught my eye. I got he seemed to be a little more engaged away from the puck too in that game than we've seen in other games. Um, and, and not just picking up his man stuff. He just you noticed him out there when he was out there. You noticed him even when he didn't have the puck. And and I don't know if that's if you guys saw the same thing. Um, but I thought he was I thought he was really obvious out there. And in some ways, I thought it was against the Rangers as well. I thought he there were times where he looked like a guy who was sort of trying to make something happen when the puck's not going in the net for you and you're fighting the puck and everything's going wrong what do you do you go back to basics you four check hard you finish your checks you block shots first little bit i don't think he was doing that he was still skating around like he was a 60 point guy he got back to basics puck started going in for him he made some nice plays and you can see it in his eyes he's confident now he's engaging in the game just going up to uh other players scoring mm -hmm. in the pile. You could see it before. I mean, he wasn't involved in the play. You could see it in his face. He was, like, disinterested. He wasn't yeah. there fully. And now he's jumping in the pile when he's going. You can just see that confidence, that energy's there again. I think um, he's going to keep moving forward and getting better, and eventually you are going to see him with Matthews because Matthews needs a guy that's going to set him up. It's a game of confidence, and when you know things aren't going your way, you sort of seem disinterested and... But being a pro in the NHL, you have to work your way out of it. You can't just be, you know, lollygagging, hoping, hoping that you're going to get an opportunity to score. So I think, you know, in watching the tape and, and you know, focusing, you know, on the smaller side parts of the game, I think he realized, hey, you got to work. You got to work for every single opportunity. So now that it's working and the puck's going in for him, he's getting that extra energy where now he's, you know, he's skating through checks. He's, he's poking pucks for rushes. He's tight turning behind the net, making plays, whereas when you're tired, you, did, you know, I remember that one shift a uh, couple, you know, last month where he, he was out there for a while. He couldn't even he, he couldn't even get off the ice. He was so tired. Yeah. So now that his energy levels are up, he's in game shape. You're seeing him more and you're seeing him more, you know, involved, right? And that's definitely Babcock probably talking to him and doing a lot talking of Talking to him or with, threatening him? I don't think he does. <laughs> like, I played for Babs and he's he's pretty easy. Everyone thinks he's like some mean guy behind the scenes. He's not really like that. He, he'll call you in and he's pretty personable and he's very easy. Like... He is easy going. He'll call yeah. you into his – he'll see you in the morning. He hangs out in the breakfast room. He says hi to everyone. He's he's always in a good mood, even if you lost the night before. And uh, But he'll call you into his office, and he'll do a private meeting with you and go through video. And he's not losing his mind. He's just trying to teach you. He's The teacher in him comes out there. But, yeah, he sometimes does get a little bit fired up. But, I mean, all coaches do.
What's I your... had Mike Keenan, so I know fighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what? I've heard some stories there. Yeah. What's Mike Babcock like when you're scuffling as a player? I mean, you talked about he'll bring you, but, you know, there's some players you hear that one thing they don't like, and you hear this in other, sport, in other sports as well. You, they don't like, and this is one of the things I had players tell me about John Gibbons as a Blue Jays manager. You could be 0 for 50. He'd walk by you and say the same thing to you or do the same thing, give you a nudge or something like that, as if you were 30 for 50. That, How important is that for a player that, look, everybody goes through struggles, but that your coach is consistent when you struggle? You know, that you don't, it, it, it's like the kid is having a tough, you're having a tough go with one particular class. You know that. You don't need the, co- to, the teacher to keep telling you that your marks are down, right? You know that already. How important is it to have that coach who's just treats you the same way? And it was Babcock like that, whether you're scoring a lot or not scoring at all. It's a lot to do with work ethic. He, uh, he respects players that work really hard. Hyman, for example. If you're in practice, you would wear all these different things that look like, uh, it looked like almost like a bra. It would measure your um, work ethic. You'd mm-hmm. have a heart rate monitor underneath it. So if you're working hard, he respects it, and he'll take you under his wing and, and try and make you better. But also saying that, sometimes it did get a little bit old. You're in the meal room and most coaches they grab their food and they leave you don't see them till the practice yeah. where he's in there the whole time picking guys to every meeting so we used to go in the sauna and you would see like 12 guys in there and you'd be like what's everyone doing here and they're like we're just hiding from babs <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want the one-on-one me how was mr keenan when things were going well i scored my first uh exhibition goal you know in colorado and i think it was the pepsi center and mike keenan ran the forwards and the d so I scored, I came off the ice and I was looking at the replay on the Jumbotron and Mike Keenan was calling my name to go back out there, but he was from the de- defensive end. So I didn't right. hear him. Right. So I missed my rotation. He came in and he ripped me a new one. He's like, here's this puck. Here's your game puck. You're going to sit the rest of the period. When I call <laughs> you to go, you better go. So uh, another story, um, <laughs> it was on a power play and I missed, I missed a body check. So I wasn't doing that Tampa Bay puck recovery really well. I missed my assignment, missed the check. And Mike Babcock, I mean, sorry, uh, Mike Keenan said, hey, you're a nice guy. Eh? I'm like, uh, no. He's like, well, you know what happens to nice guys? I'm like, uh, no, what? He's like, they end up on the first flight back to junior. So if you don't have five hits next shift, I'm going to assume you're a nice guy and you're going back to junior. <laughs> but so, but other than that. five hits the next shift? I had five. Yeah, I had, actually did have five. So I was running around. It was another power play. I was running around like a madman, just so body checking. So you've got to get your five hits on a power play. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't put pressure on you. Five hits in a power yeah. play, and you didn't take a penalty doing it. Yeah, I did not. But, wow. again, when you have those coaches that challenge you in the right way, that's, you know, that's productive. But I, have yeah. a, I also had some coaches that would kick over the Gatorade container, like, twice a month i'm like you can do that maybe twice a year no just every after every game coming over and kicking over the gatorade jug i'm like eventually that gets old you're you know after once or twice yeah we get the message but guys would start laughing because you're coming in losing your mind you know kicking stuff over throwing things oh there's nothing funnier in a it's november (laughs) relax man why are you so mad you know which coach i'm talking about too so (laughs) no i listen i i can uh i mean when larry boa uh, managed the San Diego Padres. He was famous for pitching a fit, and unfortunately, he had uh, he, on that team he had guys like John Cruck and 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 uh, and they just did. I mean, they would they would mimic him. And he, I think that probably made him matter because he'd look and he knew he could tell that the guys weren't smiling, but he knew <laughs> that inside they were they were thinking this guy's in, this guy's insane. Um, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We'll have more of Leafs Morning Skate with Anthony Stewart. 
Sean Mathias and Jeff Blair. Don't go anywhere. Send us all your money. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll send you a free subscription for Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Absolutely free. Now back to Leafs Morning Skate on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, welcome back to Leafs Morning Skate. On Sportsnet 590, the fan, Anthony Stewart, Sean Mathias, Jeff Blair, Leafs and Vegas Golden Knights, 10 o'clock tonight on Sportsnet. Leafs coming off their win over the Avalanche. Um, Let's talk about the Golden Knights a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of us, well, look, they they were a great story last year. Uh, I think a lot of us kind of... uh, expected them to come back to earth. They're in fifth place in the conference right now. They had a bit of a slow start. But, guys, I don't think there's any team in the West that would want to face these guys in the playoffs. Are are you surprised, that Anthony, that they've been able to be, you know, that there hasn't been a drop-off from last year? Yeah, I'm I'm fairly surprised just based on their Cinderella run they had last year making the finals. And and played a lot. A lot of guys weren't used to playing all that hockey. Yeah. That's a lot of hockey. And and thinking that teams would be a little bit more prepared for them, especially now coming into, uh, you know, their cities and preparing more for the games that, uh, but they're, they're picking up where they left off. And uh, I'm really surprised by the amount of uh, games Fleury's been playing and playing at a high level. I think he's at 50 of the 58 games that he's, uh, that he's been in. So he's on pace, I believe, for, you know, 60, you know, 70s plus games. So that's going to be interesting to see how his hips uh, hold up over the, uh, you know, the playoff run here. But again, they're a team that is is the new NHL. They got four lines that, you know, play regularly. They, they, they roll the lines, their fourth lines playing, you know, high speed hockey. So they're the new mm-hmm. NHL in that they push the pace of every game. They have a coach that is uh, is not really hard on them. He's, he gives everyone an opportunity to sort of expand their roles. So. Um, you know, sitting second right now in the Western Conference, it's 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 very surprising for me. But again, it's the NHL, the new NHL, and they're they're the face of it, in my opinion. Mm. I'm surprised as well. I thought some of those contracts last year they were given out were a little early in guys' careers because a lot of those guys came as fourth line players and weren't playing a lot on their respected teams before that. And then all of a sudden they're having career years. I was like, well, maybe it's just a one off that maybe that doesn't happen again. And with Flurry and Ned playing how he did in playoffs. You're like, can he do that again? And this year watching this team, I mean, they're the real deal. Flurry's Flurry's exciting every night. They got a team that looks like they're really close. They're having fun out there. So they're definitely a team, like you said, Anthony, that you wouldn't want to match up with in the playoffs. Sean, what were the I mean, what did what did the Jets say about these guys last year? How did they beat us in five games? <laughs> Beyond that, but uh, Well, you have Patrick Line, Chirp, and Flurry before game one saying, uh, so Maybe they're not chirping them or saying too yeah. much about them anymore, but it that was the difference. They had a team that worked really hard. We knew that was going to be the case. We had our meeting before the playoffs, and we said, like, as hard as we work, this team is going to match you. We have the more skilled team, but we have to make sure we stay, of course, working as hard as they do. Because as soon as if you watch a lot of games, they lose or they win. Sorry, they're just they keep that pressure going and then they find a way, they find a way. And it is a hard place to play. It is a very hard rink. It's very loud. It's dark. And it's, it's a big show. It's very different than any other NHL arena right now. It's like medieval times pregame show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by dark? Dark is it a hard, it's a hard arena to see and the lighting's different or. Yeah. Like the seats are all black and uh, the lighting's not really on the crowd. So when pucks get off, 
like the sheet's very bright. It's right. you got all the TV lights, and but when the puck gets off the ice, it's hard to track. I always found that kind of challenging in certain arenas. Yeah, but they got guys like you know that are on the fourth line that get power play time, and Ryan Reeves, and he scores mm-hmm. some big power play goals. So they're giving everyone an opportunity, and when you have that opportunity to expand your role, it makes you work that much harder, and that it, that brings you know brings up the overall you know compete level and energy level in the team. Um. What was the, the the talk around Flurry last year, Sean? Like, like he had one of those one of those remarkable seasons. Um, you know, he was clearly one of the stories in the NHL last year. But I mean, what were the Jets saying about him last year? Are there weaknesses? I mean, how do, how do you go about how do you go about beating him? When you play a goalie like Flurry, I think it's best to not say anything to the media or anything because, mm-hmm. like I said before, Patrick Liney thought it was a good idea to make some comments, and the first game looked fine. What do you say? just how he hasn't faced any shooters like the Jets. And first game we won and uh, Patrick scored and everyone's feeling good and then they won four straight and he stood on his head. So the goaltender at that level, just leave him alone. It doesn't seem like too many things bother him, but at that, in the conference finals, I mean, you're going to really, you're going to chirp a guy that's Mm -hmm. won cups before and you're (laughs) you're young. So with him, it's just leave him alone, I think. There, you know, we talked about Fleury and what he started 50 games so far. 29, 17, and 4. Um, maybe as they get closer to the playoffs, they'll, you know, they'll rest them. I'm just looking at the standings right now. They have 66 points. They're comfortably in the playoffs. I don't think there's any. They're what? They're, uh, they're nine points ahead of the ninth place team. So they're comfortably, they're comfortably in the playoffs. They're you know, five back of Nashville and fourth. I mean, it, it, it's going to be hard to catch San Jose going to be hard to catch san jose or winnipeg what do you do if you're vegas with 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 uh with mark andre Fleury though do you, do you worry about the workload or i mean i don't think you have to get quote unquote get this guy ready for the playoffs do you <laughs> i'm sure he's going to be well ready. i'm a bit worried about his workload he's not necessarily a spring chicken everyone keeps you know he's got the baby face but i think he's mm-hmm. he's almost 35 years old he's 30 he's an 84 birth date so he's yep. uh that's my pierre mcguire uh stat of the day but don't say that um, name here, who okay sorry um right, i'm just kidding but um, you know he's almost thirty-five years old. So when you're playing that many games, that's it's 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 a, it's a lot on the hips. It's a lot on the body. So if I'm Vegas, I look for uh, an opportunity to try to get uh, Subban in and get him some games because you know it's going to be tough to play seventy-five plus games or seventy plus games and then now go on a playoff run where you got to try to go two, three rounds. So uh, I would try to get Subban in just because if. They get uh, any injury problems, knock on wood. It's it's going to cause a you know catastrophic uh, problem for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not to mention they went to the Cup final last year, so right. a short summer as well. So to play that many games is crazy. And he was hurt last year too, so, so there is some injury. Is he uh, a different? Is he a different goalie now than the guys you the guy you saw when when you guys played him? Like is is he different at all? I thought you were going to say the, different than the guy that when we lost the gold medal to us um, in the World Juniors. But um, he's athletic. Is he different than that guy? I, Sure. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of that game? Let's oh, man, don't get me started. Patrick O'Sullivan's probably tweeting at me right now. But um, he's athletic, relies on athleticism. He's de- When he's down, he's not out. He gets across the crease. So when you play that, you know, that high-flying style in the net, you know, it, it's it's almost you, you, you creech a bit because you're, you're, you're hoping his groin doesn't fall off or he pulls a hamstring or something like that. But um, he's... You know, he's a genetic freak almost, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the amount of workload that he's getting and, and playing at a high level. So, um, you know, if I'm goal, young goaltenders in the league, I'm finding out who his goalie trainer is, who his nutritionist is, 
you know, what he's doing to get prepared because it, to play at a high level at 35 years old, it's, it's amazing. They have lost 8 of 12, four straight at home. Gerard Gallant tore a strip off them after their, their loss uh, to the Coyotes Tuesday. I think it was 5-2. Bag skated them and also had battle and, battle and conditioning drills Wednesday. All right, you're going in to face a team whose coaches called them out as much as guys get called out now. And it's just absolutely gone to the whip hand in the practice before then. What are the Leafs thinking today facing a team that's probably hurting in more ways than one, Anthony? Um, we're thinking, hey, we're 8-0 and versus the whole entire Western Conference this year. So we need, not, we need not worry. But um, I think they're just trying to get through the first period. They, had, uh, they got through unscathed in Colorado. Uh, they got their eight hours of sleep in uh, Vegas last night. So I think they're coming out now where they want to almost um, – you know, have Vegas fight another day. So I think if they come out that first period, try to get 15, 18 shots on Flurry, mm-hmm. try to come up, you know, up one or tied, I think that'll really, you know, sort of, uh, you know, discourage Vegas. So a good start is a, is a key. Those practices were the worst. Oh. oh, yeah, let's bag and then let's do battle drills to finish it off. I had Mike Kitchen, who was the worst bag skater of all time. So when people say bag skate, I, I'm numb. I'm numb because... I've I've skated for two hours. I've skated for three months straight, and so I'm not phased. So when I you know when I bag skate kids these days, I'm like I had to do it. And the worst part is, Mike Kitchen would be doing the drills with you. So what, yeah. what does it accomplish? What the, like like you know what? Guess what? You've lost it, four in a row. You guys stink right now. I'm gonna make you skate until you drop. It gets you what mentally prepared, saying I do not want this pain and punishment ever again. So it makes you say, you know what? I better get my act together because it's the worst feeling. Bag skating is the worst. I I can't I can't put it into words how bad it is to bag skate. And Mike Kitchen was the worst. Yeah. He was. Nathan Horton tried to fight him in practice. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I remember. I heard that story. He was he was shooting pucks at his skates around the <laughs> oh, ice. He was bag skating him? Those was before practice. I think he, he wasn't playing either. Yeah. He was skating around, shooting pucks at his skates the whole... Every time he turned, he tried to pick him off to get him on the ice. And all the boys are laughing and we're just like... We all knew who it was. And Kitsch was going up to every guy... You shoot that puck at me? And he's like grabbing you by the chest. You know, and Kitchen's a very intense guy. And he... Not a very big guy, but he's right in your face. You're like, no. And the two of them almost fought. Like, I remember that. I don't think not. I was there for that, but I remember that. But I just remember Mike Kitchen, before the practice started, he'd be up on the ice, high-stepping, just oh, high-stepping, yeah. yeah. going about Connor McDavid, uh, all-star game. Just <laughs> wheeling <laughs> around high And so guys would be like, you know, you need to slow down a bit. So they'd shoot pucks at him. That's pretty funny. But when uh, Vegas is going to come out, they're going to come out because they do not want to throw out another stinker because the worst thing is after a bag skate and you guys don't get the message, maybe uh, a guy gets uh, put in the press box. Maybe a guy gets put on waivers. Maybe there's a trade. So yeah. hopefully they get the message, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, hopefully not tonight. Well, not I mean, tonight. they had, you know, and I was just looking, they, they started out one and four. Um, you know, they, they've had points during the season where, I mean, look, if it was as smooth as it was last year, they'd be in first place. But yeah, keep in mind too, this, this second it's a second-year team. It's a group of guys who've been together for two years, and I, I really think you do have to go through some. You have to go through some crappy times to kind of figure out what you're about as well, don't you? Well, they did last as year as a team. No, I mean these guys. I mean they're guys. Guys in that team, I think, is what the NHL's NHL's all about. You go to the Stanley Cup final your first year. That's not bad. Sign me up for it. But it, you've really got to. You really do have to adjust your sights when things start 
and you start scuffling, though, don't you? Yeah, it's amazing what they've done in the first two years. But, I mean, nothing sucks more than getting bags <laughs> with battle drills at the end. The battle drills is the worst part. So, yeah, they're they're definitely going to be coming out hard tonight. And it's a hard rink to play in. So the least talked about I that. did you a drill where it was 30-second one-on-one. Then you had to skate all the way down and back and do another 30-second one-on-one. You know who my partner was? Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> so imagine that having uh, officially 265 pounds weight leaning in on you, pushing you around, getting pushed around like a ba- uh, rag doll. So that's that's the one bag skate that comes to mind. Dustin doesn't strike me as the type of guy that would have gone easy on you either, would he? Maybe the skating part. <laughs> Eric Bolton tried to you know wrestle with him one time, yeah. and he picked him up. And the look on Eric Bolton's face, he looked like he was a two-year-old that was like on a – on drop zone from uh, Wonderland. He was like in shock how strong Dustin Bufflin is. So, you know, obviously, you know how big, uh, you know, tough Buff is, but. Uh, yeah, he yeah. picked me up over his head and flipped me onto a mattress in Ottawa last year in front of That's all the That's his go-to move, yeah. I was like, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> the uh, Golden Knights have the best home penalty kill uh, in the NHL at 87.8%. Does it matter? You know, people throw out the stats that the penalty kill is good at home, not good in the road. Is that. Does that mean anything? Is, is is there any statistical relevance to that at all? Is the product of having the last change? I mean, I, I don't know. I hate, I'm not a big fan of these micro stats because yeah. it all evens out at the end. They were, right. they were low, they're high, it all evens out. So I predict that um, Marner is going to come down low to JT, shop to Kadri, rebound goal Matthews because, uh, you know, Flurry is is a little too acrobatic. There's going to be a loose uh, loose uh, rebound goal today. So we'll talk about that next time on here. Jeez. But yeah. I'm calling that right now. You're not a calling who scored, but you're calling how we scored. Someone's That's- going. Someone's getting it. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah, we're not going. We're not. We're not going near <laughs> that at all. Not at all. Um, how do you think Mike Babcock after that game where the power the power play's gone so well? How do you think he uses that second power play unit tonight? Is that going to change at all? Is he going to ride the first unit a little more now because of the success they had yesterday, uh, the last game? I think it got to throw them a bone. They scored a goal the other game. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like to see is, you know, when the whistle blows and there's a power play, um, does the first unit, even if they're on the ice, do they start? I don't like seeing that. I like to see if the second right. unit's on the bench, they come over the boards, give them an opportunity. So you like to start fresh on the Yeah, I, I hate the garbage time when they come out for the last 30 seconds after the puck's dumped in. You get one chance to make a play, and then the mm-hmm. puck's dumped out. So I think that's what I'd like to see a little bit more. The, the second unit get that opportunity to start the power play and get you know 45 seconds to uh, you know a minute 15 to actually show what they can do because come playoff time, it's so hard to score, especially on the power play, that you need both units having an opportunity opportunity because uh once they shut down the first unit and that's all you have you're you're, you're dead in the water there well look at pittsburgh last night they stay out there for two minutes and they get scored on at the end so you need yeah. two units you just yeah do and that doesn't help uh, team camaraderie when the guys are on for two minutes and you don't score and your guys are looking at you like bah, it's like give me an opportunity here like you know oh, that's the worst well, Jeff, that, guys uh, get fired up if they don't get on the power play <laughs> if you're a first line power play guy and they don't get on there yeah. the second units they're slinging it around they're feeling hot those first line guys, they snap. But the worst is when they don't change on the back check and they're looking you off and they pretend they don't hear you, but you're literally like change, change. Yeah. And they're just like, they're looking at you at the corner of the eye and they're like, no, I'm going to go for one more, uh, one more twirl here. All this goes, I see this is stuff people. The game within are, the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, <laughs> oh, garbage, yeah. garbage time in the power play. Yeah. So then that's really that important to guys, obviously, right? Because that's where you get your cookies. Or alive. your five hits. Yeah. Or your five, five hits. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm. 
Still he impressed on the, the power play. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Mike Keenan, trust me, that's, that's that scratches the surface. The we can do a whole anymore. show on Mike Keenan, what he expects out of his players. We that's why he's coaching in KHL. In we can oh. get you and Glenn Healy in here and do a whole, yeah, we could do a whole morning on, on, <laughs> on Mike Keenan. Five hits on the power play. I I wish they had they had the footage. It was in Colorado. And what did he say when he got back to the bench? He's like, good job. You're not a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> what would he have said if he'd drawn a minor penalty on it? I don't even want to know. Your flight would be booked. That's right. <laughs> your flight would be booked. He'd say, nice job. Here's your ticket. Uh, that's it for us. Don't forget Vegas Golden Knights Leafs, 10 o'clock tonight in Sportsnet. For Sean Mathias and Anthony Stewart, I'm Jeff Blair. Thanks for joining us in Leafs Morning Skate.